This morning, uh, I am reading from Mateen, and uh, just only verse 33, which may in fact be the shortest parable in the scriptures, and it says this, He, Jesus, told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, during this pandemic, and I think especially back when people were sheltering in place, it seemed like there were a lot of people who had decided to take up baking bread. I don't know if it was because uh, they were afraid that there wouldn't be enough bread to eat, or if maybe uh, they needed more to do, but in any case, uh, there was a lack of flour and yeast in the stores, and if you were on social media, all these people were posting pictures of the bread that they were baking during uh, that shelter-in-place time. And it made me start thinking a little bit about the ways in which bread feels like life to us. Uh, the ways in which bread is maybe the ultimate comfort food. You, you pull a loaf of bread out of the oven, you, you take a piece of that, slather on a little butter, and oh my goodness, it just makes you feel warm and comforted, and maybe it gives you a little sense of hope. Bread is an important part of our lives. And so we come to this short parable from Jesus where he's talking about baking bread. Now, I think that in my almost 30 years of ministry, I have never ever preached on just one verse of the Bible. Because one verse is kind of dangerous. Why do I say that? Because, you know, one verse, you can read anything you want out of one verse. If you're not putting it in the larger context of, of that passage or the, longer, uh, the larger context of the scriptures themselves, you can, you can make it say almost anything you want. And in fact, this parable, this one verse, about the kingdom of heaven is set in the midst of eight parables that Jesus tells us about what the kingdom of heaven is like. Eight of them. And if you look at the Gospels, there are 30 or 40 parables of Jesus. So there is something really important about the parables of Jesus. And if you remember two weeks ago, I talked a little bit about parables. I said, you know, what's really important about a parable isn't the, the details of it, the historical, literal question about whether this really happened, right? Uh, Jesus isn't saying, you remember that woman, Betty, who was baking bread when we were there the other day? Yes, it's not what he's saying. The only thing that matters in this story is actually the meaning of it. 
The parables are a way of telling the truth of God, even though the circumstances of that story are not literally true. And that's really important because these parables often confuse us. Or they make us think again. They make us wonder what's really going on here. I don't know about you, but every time I come to that parable of the dishonest or shrewd manager who cheats the boss, and then the boss says, well done, you cheated me. I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. But parables kind of keep us humble. It's a way of saying, you know, uh, the truth of God is never that easy for you, human being, to grasp. If you think you can read this once and you get what's going on here, you need to read and read again. You need to continue to knock and to seek, and it will be open to you. But it's not just going to be told to you in simple terms, because then you have a tendency to think you are like God when I want you to remain humble before me and my word and to continue to seek me. And so the parables continue to offer us meaning and try to draw us in. And, you know, it's not every story that we go back to and say, there's something here I need to discover. There is something that we know is true. There is something that we know is life-giving. There is something that we know is of God in these parables if we'll just stick with them and keep, keep seeking what the meaning might be. You know, there are a lot of stories that I read, but, there are, uh, but if, I don't, if I can't figure out that story most of the time, I am, I'm saying that's enough of that. I'm not going back to it. I was thinking about how a few years ago, one of the most popular stories in movies was The Life of Pi. You remember this? It's about this young man who is on a ship and it sinks and he ends up in a life raft with a bunch of animals trying to survive. And at the end of the story, the question is, were those really animals or were those people? And the point is that people are worse than animals. And you didn't know, and I was like, you know what, I don't care. I'm not going to read this again to try and figure out if it's animals or people, because whichever answer it is, it is not a good ending. But the Bible keeps drawing us in. Even when we aren't exactly sure what it means, we know that there is something life-giving there for us, and so we continue again and again to look at them. So we come to this parable of the woman who is baking bread. And I want to pause for just a couple seconds. And I want to say to you, if, if someone came up to you right now and said, hey, what is this parable about? What would you say? What would you think this parable, the woman mixing yeast into flour, is about? There may be more in this one short little verse than immediately meets the eye. 
the first thing that we need to see in this parable is that Jesus has been going through the kingdom of God is like the sower who sows seed. The kingdom of God is like wheats and weeds growing together. The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. And all of the, the people who are gathered around are listening, and they're probably at this point, you know, starting to drift off. And Jesus then says, the kingdom of heaven... Now, the kingdom of heaven is not just something out there. He's always going to tell us it's drawing near, that we can be part of the kingdom of heaven here and now. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a woman. What? Wait! Did Jesus just say it's like a woman? That can't be. Because if you're a hearer in the first century, women are property. Women don't have any rights. Women do what the men are told. Why in the world are you going to... I mean, women tend to be unworthy of God. They're, they're, they're often unclean. Why, how in the world could the kingdom of heaven be like anything to do with a woman? You see, you and I, we don't get that kind of jolt in our world today, but those first century hearers would most certainly, their ears would have perked up, the men would have been like, what in the world is Jesus doing? And the women would have been looking at each other and kind of elbowing, going, hey, 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 what's going on here? And Jesus is trying to say, the kingdom of heaven is open to everybody. There's, there's no one, you and I, with, with our systems and our ways of thinking, we decide people are in, people are out, and all of these perils, virtually all of them are saying, no, you, you, can't, you can't decide. There are weeds and there's wheat growing together. It's not up to you to decide which is which. There's seed that's sowed on the soil. Some of it will take root. It's not up to you to decide which does and which doesn't. Jesus is shocking, and usually these parables would have something that really startled Jesus' hearers. These, these, these people are hearing that a woman is being privileged and worthy of God, and Jesus is saying everyone is worthy of the kingdom of heaven. Everyone. You know, uh, in, in the past uh, week or two, one of my students who serves a, a rural church in, I don't know, Kansas or Missouri or, or Arkansas, way out in the middle of nowhere, a little teeny tiny church, the student told me that uh, some uh, Hispanic family had come one Sunday and, and sat down in that congregation. And a couple of the older women literally got up and walked out. And one of these women came to the pastor uh, the next day or two and said, you should not have let those people in our church. And as the pastor started this conversation, the woman went on to say, I know I'm going to heaven and they are not. Now, listen, I know nobody in this congregation is thinking that way, but there are a lot of Christians out there who are judging who's worthy of God and who isn't. And I would uh, be willing to bet that there 
are some people that you and I, we're not so sure about their worthiness of the kingdom of heaven. And yet Jesus is saying, all are welcome. In fact, as I was thinking about it, it seemed to me that when we hear this story, if I said to you, draw a picture of this story, you and I, for the most part, we're going to start drawing a picture of uh, a, a white woman, maybe a black woman, in a farmhouse, uh, looking out the window at, at the wheat and maybe some cattle, and she's making some uh, bread on the countertop. But of course, when the original hearers heard this, they thought of a Middle Eastern woman. Maybe she was a nomad. Maybe she was making the bread on a stone in a tent. We don't think that, but that's what they would have imagined in their minds. You see, we are always kind of limiting these stories to our own kind of understanding. And Jesus is saying, nope, it's bigger than you understand. And all are welcome in the kingdom of heaven. But then he goes on and he says, now this woman is got this flour, and it's three measures of flour. Now, does anybody know what three measures of flour is? You know, right? I decided I better find out how much three measures of flour is. We're probably thinking three cups onto the countertop or whatever, onto her, onto her stone. It's three gallons. Now, that's a lot of flour. This woman has three gallons of flour that she's working with. It's enough bread to feed 100 people. It's enough bread to feed a full village. She is doing a lot of work. And if you start thinking about that, if you have ever needed bread, now you're needing three gallons of flour that is hard work. That takes a lot of effort. That takes a lot of perseverance. You can't quit because people are depending on the bread that you're going to produce. And yet, this is not easy work. And I think Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is not easy work. If you think you can just confess the living God and you got it, you're wrong because you're going to have to persevere. You're going to have to keep kneading that dough. You're going to have to keep working at it. If you want to inherit that kingdom of God, if you want to feed a lot of other people, if you want to be able to share, you're going to have to keep working it. You can't just go, squit, quit, good enough. It takes a lot of work. It's not easy, and you have to persevere, which brings me to this third point, that the kneading process is to get that yeast through all of that flour. Now, the yeast, of course, we would think of as the Holy Spirit. The yeast is God. And you and I have no control really over whether that yeast gets through all the bread. 
we can work it hard, we can try and really knead it in there, but we, the only way ultimately to know that the yeast got through all the three gallons of flour is by the bread that rises. And you and I, we can take our children for 18 years, we can bring them to church, we can talk to them about Jesus, we can pray with them, we can need them every chance we get, but we don't know if the yeast will take hold. That yeast, that Holy Spirit, is never ours to judge or to give and to ensure is present in another person. We just have to do the best we can and trust that God will work as God works. But the yeast is really not in our control. The yeast is the work of God that is part of this whole process of faith in the kingdom of heaven. So we have these pieces that, that everyone gets to participate. We have this idea that it's really hard work. You've got to keep at it. You're never, you're, you're, you're never quite done. And that it needs the spirit, the power of God for this whole process to work for the yeast to leaven this whole loaf. But then I started thinking a little bit about the bread that will be baked. And the Bible is filled with stories of bread. Because for most of human history, one of the most important sources of food for people has been bread. One of the most reliable sources of food for people has been bread. If you think about the Old Testament when there are the famines, they, they, they've set aside grain so that they can make bread. And bread, if you look it up, has most of the nutrition that the human body needs to survive. Bread is life. Bread has what we need to survive, almost, almost. Because bread doesn't have vitamin C, and you know what will eventually happen. You get rickets and so on if you don't have vitamin C. Now, what activates the nutrition in the bread is the yeast. The microorganisms of the yeast are what cause the full nutritional value to come out in that bread. The grain is not nearly as nutritious. And then you take a step back and you think, Jesus is the bread. The most that will sustain life. And guess what? Grapes have a lot of vitamin C. Now, I'm here to tell you, uh, the vitamin C tends to go away when you make it as wine. So, but where you have wine, you have, you have grapes. And together, bread and grapes 
will sustain life for a very, very long time. You know, these parables are so rich with meaning. All of this one little verse and I think there's so much more in this one little verse than I can even begin to touch at this point. I wonder how many of you saw all of those things when I paused for a minute and said, what do you think this parable is about? Because Jesus is inviting us again and again to go deeper, not to be satisfied, not to settle that, oh, I know what this is about, but to say, there's more here that God wants me to learn and understand so that I might more fully inhabit, inherit the kingdom of heaven. And so, these parables... They offer us life. They ask us to dig deeper, to know Jesus more fully, to remain a little bit humble before this word of God, and to hear Jesus say that the kingdom of heaven is like this. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.